Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 138. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. So, this week's show is dedicated to old people. Not the scary kind that bite you as you try to get them untangled from your net, not the cranky kind that smell like moss and run the United States Senate, but the types that get better with age, like scotch and good 70s porn. Aging is inevitable, at least for the time being, and all of us will eventually lose our hair and erections. Grandpa Simpson said it best once, saying, I used to be with it, then they changed what it was, Now, what I'm with isn't it, and what's it seems weird and scary. It'll happen to you! But it's not all menopause and prostate exams, is it? What about knowledge gained from experience? What about acquiring wisdom and understanding? Having perspective in the grand scheme of things? Being a mentor to someone or a grandparent? Nipple-high pants? Senior discounts at IHOP? having a mysterious and endless supply of hard candy ooze from your pocket, and being able to go to the park on a nice spring day and offer it to random children when they stray too far from the jungle gym. I had a bit of trouble opening that shiny golden wrapper, but then, well, I'll never forget that first taste. Sweet, wonderful butter candy. I'll never forget. Maybe we just get too hung up about having saggy, wrinkling skin and farts that smell like hummus on things like chronology and full earth rotations around the sun. Maybe gaining sagacity is worth the occasional prostate nudge. Heck, maybe a good old nudge to the prostate feels great every once in a while. I wouldn't know. Again, that's knowledge gained from experience. So, having said all of that, let's get our drabble on, shall we? Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words. Send yours into Drabblecast at yahoo.com. This week's Drabble is called The Absent-Minded Professor by Peter Recor. Peter lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts. By day he writes software, and by night he climbs rocks. He likes his naps long, his feet bare, and his grilled cheese sandwiches golden brown. The recent discovery of water on the moon has reignited his hopes of one day living there, and he says that while commuting through the nasty Boston traffic each morning, he ironically listens to the Drabblecast in order to keep himself sane. Dad, are you okay? Oh, I'm fine, sweetheart, said the absent-minded professor. Just having a senior moment, I circled today's date in my calendar, but I can't recall why. Maybe a doctor's appointment? No, I called them already, and the dentist. I thought maybe it was your birthday. No, Dad, it's not. Dad, please, let's talk about you moving into that group home. And this time, no more nonsense about aliens invading soon, or how only you can stop the- Oh! Oh, of course. How could I forget? Hanging up, he hobbled over to the console and started warming up the ion cannons. Our feature story this week is called Kingdom Come by Kay Kenyon. Kay's latest novels comprise a sci-fi fantasy quartet beginning with Bright of the Sky, a story that introduced readers to the entire, a tunnel universe next door. 
Publishers Weekly listed this novel among the top 150 books of 2007. The series has been twice shortlisted for the American Library Association Readers List Awards. The final volume, Prince of Storms, will appear in January 2010. Her novels have been nominated for the Philip K. Dick and John W. Campbell Awards and translated in French, Russian, Spanish, Czech, and Audible.com versions. Recent short stories appeared in Fast Forward 2 and The Solaris Book of New Science Fiction, Volume 2. She lives in eastern Washington state with her husband, and she's the chair of a writing conference, Write on the River. The story Kingdom Come first appeared in the anthology Women Writing Science Fiction as Men, edited by Mike Resnick. So without further ado, Kingdom Come by Kay Kenyon. My name's Jacob. Never mind Jacob who. I don't fill out forms. Not anymore. Say you can take your creamed corn and your Muzak and your forms in triplicate and stuff them. Now, where was I? Oh, about leaving the door open. At Fairhaven Home, doors are closed and locked at 8 p.m. That's the rule. Was the rule? Can't you get it straight? There aren't rules anymore. So, you say, all those soft-headed loonies got out and ran across the lawn, nightgowns fluttering open and scaring the neighbors half to death? (laughs) Hell, those neighbors have been scared to death their whole lives. (laughs) A few crazy people running around naked in the grass is nothing. Besides, Fairhaven's out of time. No more Meals on Wheels, boys and girls. No more six o'clock news in the hollow alcove. We're goners if we stay. Jungle's coming. Oh, it's been coming. You can hear it at night when the refugee traffic quiets down. Distant crashes and muffled thuds. Those spindly trees fall over in the front lines and advance the jungle another 15 meters. Or sometimes it just sounds like soap bubbles fizzing down to scum. It gets on your nerves. That's why I gotta be on my way. Well, maybe not the only reason. Chrissy now. She was all skittery about it. I told her to get the hell out of here now that the doors aren't locked and the food's running out. She came into my room as I was packing, her eyes big as bagels. Jacob, she said, you're not leaving. Chrissy looks up to me like a dad, so I guess she hated to see me go. Of course I'm leaving, I said. Jungle's coming. I crammed another pair of socks into my duffel, stamped Space Recon in bright green letters. Yeah, the doc told me I wouldn't be needing that duffel anymore. My spacer years are long past. Good thing I don't listen to 20-year-olds. Chrissy eyed my bright yellow jogging shoes. You're supposed to wear slippers. (laughs) Slippers. I bet those nurses were wearing their combat boots when they high-tailed it out of here this morning. They're gone, 
Chrissy said, practically reading my mind. The staff is all gone. Of course they're gone. Those geese don't know what to do with the new world. They're running just like everybody. I flew past my window about 5 a.m. this morning, honking and crapping. Circled once and flew north. Tears came into Chrissy's eyes. I paused, sunscreen in hand, then I tossed it on the bed and sat next to her. None of that now, Chrissy. If you're gonna cry, let her rip. None of that snuffling business. It makes you look like you got a dose of spacer's crotch. I got a smile out of her, but it wobbled. You want to come along? I didn't look forward to a greenhorn slowing me down, but if Chrissy got up the nerve, I wouldn't leave her behind. From where we sat, the window looked out on the weedy monotone of Westfall County. The world these days was the same everywhere, just one big monoculture of weeds and grasses and junk shrubs, except that hovering on the edge, just a half kilometer away, was a looming wall of jungle. That day, more than ever, it looked like a turquoise tidal wave humping along the horizon as far as you could see. If you listened hard, you could hear it coming. Vines plowing toward the light, buds erupting. The kingdom coming, I guess, and not the kingdom most folks had in mind either. It's done three kilometers since yesterday, I told her. It's the heat, see? Whole thing's got a new head of steam since summer. Chrissy was looking doubtful about the jungle, about leaving. I didn't blame her, but I wasn't going to sit in my rocking chair and let it kill me. I can still walk faster than the jungle grows. I ain't that old. I'll be headed to the mountains, same as everybody. I turned back to my duffel, picked up a length of bamboo. You see this? Know why I'm taking this? Chrissy looked blank. Because it lets live things be, or things that used to be alive. I played a few notes on the hollow cane. See? A flute. Ever think, Chrissy, that the jungle might be boring instead of scary? Just like space? Nothing to be afraid of. You just play a little music when you get to feeling wacky. I knew what I was talking about. Down in the boiler room of those big starships, sometimes there's not much to do. You kind of hope there won't be. I blew some notes of When the Saints and then tossed the flute into the duffel. You see this? I patted the duffel. Cotton. Anything synthetic or metal or plastic or or transmetal, it just eats it up. I could see that part scared her, as she was always one for scary stories, coming and asking me about other worlds and space recon and the sights I'd seen. Sometimes, to tell the truth, all I saw of alien ground was through the porthole. Other times, we got ground time, though and stood outside the tub, smoking cigarettes and taking it all in. Remnants of old cities not shaped right, the wrong colors. Trees growing upside down, their roots sticking out like frizzled hair. 
stuff like that. I seen some sights in my 20 year service. The way it worked, those recon ships were more than spaceships. They were also time ships. Time travel was the missing link in getting to the stars, cause star drive, faster than light, never came true, just like they said it wouldn't. But then they figured out how to use time as a back door to the stars, and they called it a time sling, cause time can really sling you to different places, if you think about it. The whole galaxy, see, is moving at a fast clip, round and round, so at any given moment the Earth's on or near a point in the universe where another solar system might have been millions of years ago, and where a planet like ours might have been. If it looked like a water planet, they'd send out a recon ship to mine the biota. Though we'd bring home thousands of plants, most of them weren't keepers, weren't gonna help us out for that good old biodiversity that we needed so bad. Never mind whose fault it was. Blame the corporate farms, the genomic engineering, hell, blame Nostradamus if you want to, but old Terra Firma was becoming Terra the Sema, and it was killing us. What with susceptibility to diseases and Maybe downright boredom. That was before Nyang's planet. The greenest world we'd ever seen. The most Earth-like. Maybe that was why the biota, or seeds, or whatever the hell they were, escaped quarantine. You couldn't keep Nyang biota down. Not even with all the poisons they tried. Out in the hallway, we heard shrieks. I peeked out. All clear, I told Chrissy. It's just a food fight. I paused. A second thought, you ought to tell them to save what's left. If you're going to try to run for it, you'll need provisions. I couldn't put it off any longer. We walked down the hall together, stepping over food trays and bedpans and hair brushes. Out on the porch, I hoisted my duffel. I gotta go, Chrissy. I hugged her, hard. You can still come with me, Chrissy. You're the daughter I never had. She nodded. She believed me, but she didn't see. Not the way I saw. None of them saw that this was the kingdom to be. Did they want to be knights or drudges? Heather? Janie? Kev? They all stood there in their pink and blue nightgowns. Nope. Not knights. I shook my head. Watch out for yourself, Chrissy. She waved. Big, phony smile. But I blessed her for it. And then I was on my way. I've been on the road a while now. Feeling good, except that I forgot to pack food. The wind brings a fruity smell, putting me in mind of breakfast. The home took my edge off, that's for sure. How long was I there, anyhow? This two-lane highway parallels the blue forest wall. By tomorrow, I figure this road will be gone. I can hear the tall, frondy stalks breaking in the distance, falling, reaching for the road, a big, tasty strip of asphalt. Roadway to us, licorice to them. 
An occasional car speeds by. Sometimes they honk. I wave. They see me muttering as I walk, and they're scared to give me a lift. They don't know how a lot of spacers talk to themselves and count it damn good company. Besides, they got no room in their cars for an old geezer. Stuffed like they are with hollow V's and lamps, rocking chairs, microwaves, baby buggies, and that one right there, (laughs) a patio grill, roped to the roof. That plastic and metal are refugees, same as their owners. We're all heading to the mountains, the pass, where it's too cold for the jungle. Only thing I worry about is how long it'll take before the spores blow on the wind and come at us from the other side. But that's the glory of it. You don't know. Back with Chrissy, we had everything on time. Knew the drill, meals, baths, social hour, bed. But here outside, it's a new game. Don't know the rules. Maybe make a few of them up, by God. It snuck up on me, getting old. Used to be heating ventilation chief. I climbed that high in recon. Worked on the big machines and calibrated, tinkered, jury-rigged, made do and made up what I didn't know. And one day I saw that my hair was the same color as the metal I was working on. Gray. I still felt 25, but nope, I was 55. And pretty soon, that young fella, he took my spot. Didn't go over too good, but with words being said that the geese didn't like, I found myself with a slip of paper saying thanks for the 20 years. From the grandstand, I watched that big ship blast off, yanking my heart out of me like a bad tooth. And then, ground side, nothing seemed right. People with their patio grills and leather sofas, watching sports, watching life. Of course, folks thought I wasn't quite right. I guess I lost that argument. I'll tell you one thing, though. If I had it to do over, I wouldn't be in the boiler room. We called it a boiler room. Why get fancy? I'd be getting an eye full outside with those field teams that saw all the sights. Still, Chrissy thinks I've had a big life. And maybe I have at that. This here's a telephone pole. It's all wrong, festooned with turquoise vines. The front line's still a kilometer away, but some advanced scouts claimed this pole. The metal conduit running up the side is a braided blue vine. And no, I don't mean covered with vine. I mean, it is a vine... And the transformer barrels are frickin' flower baskets with orange, egg-like flowers. The transformer transformed. (laughs) Now that's a thought. Along the fence here, the barbed wires got a fleshy yellow star at each barb. Couple of crows eating those stars. Okay, I ate a few myself. You can't be squeamish if you're in the wild. You gotta be wily, gotta take the plunge, like I told Chrissy. The cars hum by, electric motors groaning under the strain of their big loads. They're heading to the mountains, and maybe over the mountain. If that side is 
still the old world. Funny thing is, what they're looking for is just what they had. That's why they're bringing their hollow V sets and leaf blowers, so they can set up all their stuff and carry on. But see, maybe we can't carry on what's past. And even if we could, what place is there for an old recon recruit like me, with his head full of bolts? I got to admit, those yellow stars sit just fine in my gut, long as I don't see no dead birds. Moving on, I can see there's a town over there. Don't even remember what town it is, but it's right at the foot of the big turquoise wall. If you already figured out that I'd be leaving the road, then you've been paying attention. The mountains ain't for me. Can't see myself fitting in, can you? Okay, here's the local stop and shop, deserted like everything else. Still got its old gas pumps like they stopped using in the teens. Water nozzle still works though. I drank my share, hosed down my face. There comes a sweet burst of wind, picking up the smells of a fruity kingdom. The streets of thick, woven mat, and those giant staples are the hoods of sunken cars. I sit on the bowed roof of what might have been a Volkswagen, and I eat some of the antenna. Jerky-flavored. Nobody here to share the meal with. They all ran away, scared to death. Folks think the jungle destroys what it touches, but when you look close... You can see that things aren't destroyed, only revised. Maybe for some folks it amounts to the same thing. I go on. The closer you get to the jungle wall, the odder the town gets. For instance, that house there, near the outskirts. You got your gables on the roof, but they're like ladies' bonnets, all leafy. Under that, those windows with their alien glaze and gaze. Garage doors still open from when they made their run. Looking inside the house, I'm expecting a mess. But no, sir, it's all regular. The flowered doorknobs work when you turn them, and the matted door opens. In the parlor, the flowered upholstery's got some strange new flowers, like a five-year-old's coloring book. Lots of it's outside the lines. The picture window looks out to the tidal wave, frozen in the upswing. The more I stare, the more I can imagine all the stuff of the town mixed in there. Knickknacks, footstools, shoehorns, deck chairs, blenders, silverware and whatnot, all jumbled up into a froth. I'm thinking maybe the wave will just pass over my head like I'm a swimmer near the bottom. All the fuss is on the surface. If that's where you live your life, well, son, you're gonna get thrashed. It's a new order of things, I figure. Things ripe and strange, full of the sap of life. If I told Chrissy one thing wrong, it was that the jungle might be boring. No such thing. Of course, 
I ain't in the jungle yet. That's next. I should have known, calling it the kingdom and all. I was thinking back to knights and kings and riding out, but an old spacer like me should know the new stuff when he sees it. It's getting revised, like I said. It's all getting a second chance. I feel those gold stars swimming in my blood, lighting a fire. Just as I close the front door, I hear it. A rattle like a toolbox, only in pulses. Turning back, I follow the sound into the parlor. Next to the couch, I see the mossy outline of a telephone. Somehow its circuitry, though revised, still works. The notion hits me that Chrissy is calling. I pick up the fuzzy receiver and press it to my ear. A woman's voice comes from far away, a woody remnant of a voice, maybe not even a language I know anymore. I'm thinking maybe somebody's selling magazine subscriptions. Then, on impulse, I speak into the receiver. If that's you, Chrissy, you should come on down. The kingdom's come, see? The big wave won't hurt you. It'll just pass on over, coloring things. There was a gargle of electrons from the other side. I nodded to her. And tell the folks at Fairhaven, old Jacob went first. Well, that was our story. Hope you enjoyed it. Be destroyed or be revised. It's either one or the other, people. Mother Nature's all like, <laughs> oh, you big media conglomerates with your DRM systems. I'm an old man. I hate everything but Matlock. Ooh, it's on now. Yep, gotta change that business model. Welcome to the jungle, Sony BMG. So, story feedback from a couple weeks ago. Creepy Tale by Tim Pratt called Bonesai. Bonsai. Get it? <laughs> the guy was giving himself a bonsai tattoo the whole time. Y you see what he did there? Rich Mazur said, The story did a great job of building tension and ambiguity, as others have mentioned. We aren't really sure who the monster is, the father or the stepfather. And holy schmoly, is Tim Pratt a versatile writer or what? I preferred his other stories on Drabblecast, though, but mostly because I'm not a big fan of horror. Phenopath said, Well, that story grossed me out, as did the episode art. It's hard to drive with one's skin crawling and one's face screwed up. I guess by that measure, the story was effective. The ambiguities in the story kept it interesting, but there was no way that I was empathizing with the main character. I'm a Pratt fan, but like Rich Mazur, I do prefer some of his other stories. Cody said, Funny how people fool themselves into seeing God in everything. Babies in India with four arms, Mary on burnt toast. The desperation in that, while extreme, isn't hard to relate to. I'm not one for gore, but found this story effective and certainly creepy. Who knows what weird fixations people are hiding. We love hearing your feedback and generating discussion about the stories we run. Hop in our forums and let us know your thoughts on the story you heard today. You can find a link to our forums off our main page, www.drabblecast.org. While you're there, stop by the weekly 100-character TwitFit contest thread. Try writing one yourself. 
You just might be able to take Algernon Sidney's crown, as he has another notch to his belt this week with his great hundred-character story. We Americans had condemned the Chinese internet firewalls. We learned, too late, that they were there to protect us. Ominous. The Drabblecast Kick-Ass Donor of the Week this week is none other than... Keith Teklitz. Keith is a CB in the Navy, and he's currently deployed overseas. He says that listening to the Drabblecast makes the time over there a bit more enjoyable and pass a little faster. Glad we could be of service, Keith, and thank you for building stuff overseas that in some way, shape, or form either provides defense for our country or crushes our puny enemies. And since I'm dealing out thanks, special thanks to Skeet Sienski, creator of our rockin' episode art this week. Skeet lives in Charlotte, North Carolina with his wife Tiffany, daughter Arwen, and Skittles the Pug. He's done art for the Starship Sofa podcast, Tangents Magazine, Sci-Fi Zine podcast, as well as thousands of disc golf frisbees printed by the Innova Disc Golf Company. He also, from what I've gathered on my own, is obsessed with bacon. Check out his website at www.skeetland-art.com. So hey, that's our show. Also, I'm sad to report that this will be our final show ever. (laughs) I'm joshing ya. But it would be if it weren't for cool people like Keith, who donate to us via the support options on our website. Consider dropping us a few bucks or subscribe for only five bucks a month. If not, spread the word. Write us a review on iTunes or Podcast Alley. Copy and share the show with your friends. Drabblecast is produced under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change it or sell it, but share it freely. Our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you to warm up the ion cannons. The evening saunters to closing, the waitress turns chairs upside down, piano player picks up his tip jaw and drink, and the bartender shouts last round. An hour ago this place was loaded, and noise filled the room like the smoke. Laughter and curses spilled like booze from a glass. Words were all slurred when spoke. Yes, words were all slurred when slurred.